Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. You have come to the mountains of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. Notice, the Lord our God is giving us these lands. If God is going to give you something, you can bet that it's as good as if it's in the bank. If he didn't give you something, it doesn't belong to you. But when he says, I'm giving it to you, you can bet that he's going to give it to you. He's going to follow through on his promise because he is faithful and true. He has never been wrong, ever. He's never been wrong. And he's always been faithful in everything he does. Everything that he has spoken of has come to pass, literally. How amazing is your love? Welcome and thank you for joining us on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues in chapter 1 of Deuteronomy. We learn how God reminds the nation of Israel how much he has given them, even though they refuse to trust in him because of worldly circumstances and fear. Pastor Rob reminds us that if God says he's going to give us something, then we can consider it done. Faith in our God will always triumph over fear and unbelief. Even today, we may be faced with circumstances that seem to cause us fear and look as though we have no way of overcoming them. But God's Word tells us that there is nothing impossible for Him. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. So let's look at chapter, we're just going to read through verse 1, and we're going to get down and just comment on a few things. So it says, these are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel on this side of the Jordan, that is the east side, of the Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain opposite Zuf, between Paran, Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. Now these names don't mean a whole lot to us today. In fact, there's a lot of discrepancy on where these lands really are. Because even today, if you, you, can, you can do all your scrounging and looking into this, and there's not a lot of information on where these locations are today. There's a few of them. But it says in verse 2, It is eleven days' journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. It says, Now it came to pass, verse 3, in the fortieth year, in the eleventh month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him as commandments to them, after he had killed Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who dwelt at Ashtaroth and Edria. These are all when he's talking about these two kings, it's basically every, all these, this land on the, on the east side. Like if you were looking at me and here was the, the Dead Sea right here, and then you had the Jordan going up to the Sea of Galilee. Everything on this side over here on the east side, uh, that's what he's talking about. Sihon, the king of the Amorites, was down over in this area, and then Og, king of Bashan, was up here in this, up by the Mount Gilead, and up even up further north in the Bashan 
up here in the northern part of Israel, all that land they had conquered. And he says, verse 5, On this side of Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this law. Again, he's, it's, a, it's a second telling of the law, not a second law. It's not something different. It's just the same thing, but retelling the event. And actually, you'll find that in Deuteronomy, it's just a little bit briefer. It's just a summary. And so tonight, Lord willing, we're going to go back and, and just kind of review a few of these events as we go. So the Lord spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt at this mountain long enough. And that was actually one of my verses that got me into ministry. Uh, that, it was that verse. I sat right there um, where my brother's sitting, and uh, the Lord spoke to me that day um, back in 2002 when Pastor Jeff was sharing the same verse. He just started uh, Deuteronomy and got to that verse, and the Lord spoke to me, and that was when I knew that I was supposed to come and uh, at least be on staff at that time, because he had invited me a year prior to that, and I hemmed and hawed and didn't think it was possible um, for a lot of reasons. And um, so anyway, he said, You've dwelt at this mountain long enough, Israel. He says, Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains and in the lowland, in the south and on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, See, I have set the land before you. So go in, and here's the command. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. And I spoke to you at that time, verse 9, saying, I alone am not able to bear you. And the Lord your God has multiplied you, and here you are today as the stars of heaven in multitude. May the Lord... God of your fathers, make you a thousand times more numerous than you are and bless you as he has promised you. How can I alone bear your problems, verse 12, and your burdens and your complaints? You know, some have said that God doesn't give you more than you can handle, and that's actually not a true statement. It is true, as we can see on the screen here, there is a verse where when it comes to temptation, it is true that God won't allow you to be tempted more than you are able But as it says here, no temptation has overtaken you such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that you are able. So God knows how much you're able to take based on your makeup, and he knows knows you very well and very intimately. He says, but with the temptation, he will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In every temptation where you feel like you're about ready to buckle, there are always ways of escape. And God whispers those in your ears, and, and, and you can choose to deny them, to your own problem, right? But he gives you the, a way out every single time. But God does give us more than we can handle. Because this happened to Moses. He got to the point where he's like, you know what, I can't do this. I need some help. I can't do it. So verse 13, 13 he says, Choose wise, understanding, and knowledgeable men from among your tribes, and I will make them heads over you. And you answered me and said, The thing which you have told us to do is good. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and understandable men, and made them heads over you, leaders of thousands, leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, leaders of tens, and officers for your tribe. And I love that. Even in the secular world, they know this to be true. In any army that is being composed, the American army, whatever army there is, there has to be organization. And God is not a God without order. He is a God of order. And he doesn't just create chaos. He makes sure that everything is decently and in order. And it's no different in the house of God. And here, where there is a lack of order, there is chaos. 
and there's problems. But where there is order, there is peace, and there is uh, God's will is being done. And so, in Exodus, we're not going to go there because we went there last week, but in Exodus chapter 18, verse 13 through 27, it says that men were selected, and they were really there to help in secular matters. And these leaders of hundreds and leaders of thousands, leaders of fifties, they were, they were really there to help um, Moses. If you remember, Jethro gave the uh, advice to Moses. He says, Moses, what are you doing? You're going to drive yourself crazy. You're in your tent, and you've got a million people lined up. It's, worse, it's like the Apple store. <laughs> you know, you're waiting in line, and you've got this long line or, a, you know, uh, uh, what's the uh, Bill Gray's on a Sunday, you know, on, on a hot, sun, uh, hot summer day. You know, everyone's waiting in line for ice cream. There's this huge line of people, and Moses is taking, you know, talking to each one, and people are getting frustrated. He's getting frustrated and burnt out, and he's like, no, you really can't do this, Moses. That's what his father-in-law, and I believe that was the Lord. And so they, he raised up men to help him. And then in Numbers chapter 11, if you remember from last week, about two years after that event happened, at least two years, 70 elders were selected. And remember, they, they went to the tabernacle, and the same spirit that was on Moses, God placed that same spirit on these 70 men to help him in these religious matters and serving and, and doing things of that nature. So you can see that one is really a secular thing, a judicial thing. The other one is really more of a religious group of men who can help him in doing and carrying out those things. So in verse 16, it says, Then I commanded your judges at that time, saying, Hear the cases between your brethren, and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the stranger who is with him, and you shall not show partiality in judgment. Remember this last Sunday I was sharing from James chapter 1, and that idea of partiality is bias or favoritism. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. He says, You shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small as well as the great, and you shall not be afraid of any man's presence, for the judgment is God's. And the case that you that is too hard for you, bring to me, and I will hear it. And so we see that here in James chapter 2, verse 1. It says, My brethren, don't, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. It's so important for judges, anybody who's judging over another person or a group of people, to, have, to be impartial, to not, to not be uh, receiving of the face is really what the Greek word means. It means receiving of the face. When you look at somebody, you size them up. You look at them in the natural, and you already make your conclusions. You already have your, them pigeonholed about who they are, how much money they make, maybe what kind of social status they're in. We all do this, and it's so detrimental to our relationships with one another, and it's sin because we judge a book by its cover. And Moses is telling these men, do not show favoritism. He says in verse 18, And I commanded you at that time all the things which you should do. And so finally now we get into verse 19. It says, So we departed from Horeb, this southern part of the Sinai Peninsula, and they were going to be traveling north now along the Red Sea, and they were going to get up to the, the a portion of that and then cross over and go into Kadesh Barnea. And so it says, so we departed from Horeb, and we went through all of that great and terrible wilderness. The word terrible there means fearful, because it was just a fearful place, because all of the enemies that God had spoken to them about were all around them. You know, all of the enemies that, that saw this great group of people, because there's only one thing that most people think when there's a great, when, when you are in your state or in your uh, city, 
and you're dwelling peaceably, even if you're a sinner, you're dwelling peaceably, and all of a sudden you look out on the horizon, you see a lot of dust, and you look and you get out your binoculars, and you look in and it's like, oh my gosh, there's like a, a couple million people coming this way. So you're automatically thinking war. They're going to come and wipe us out. And that's exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> and so, uh, but, but they, they, they did. They, they thought that, that that's what was going to happen, and sure enough, it, it did. But they departed. They went through the great and terrible wilderness, which you saw on the way to the mountains of the Amorites, as the Lord our God had commanded us. And then we came to Kadesh Barnea, which is just on the southern um, border of the Promised Land. So verse 20, he says, And I said to you, you have come to the mountains of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. Notice, the Lord our God is giving us these lands. If God is going to give you something, you can bet that it's as good as if it's in the bank. If he didn't give you something, it doesn't belong to you. But when he says, I'm giving it to you, you can bet that he's going to give it to you. He's going to follow through on his promise because he is faithful and true. He has never been wrong ever. He's never been wrong, and he's always been faithful in everything he does. Everything that he has spoken of has come to pass, literally. And I'm convinced that when we get, as time goes on, and we look back on the prophecies that are being fulfilled even in our day, and as we, as we get forward into time, we're going to look back and we we'll go, and we're going to read the Bible again, and we're going to be like, I can't believe it was that clear. <laughs> I can't, because that's the way we do it now. We look back on the events that have already happened, and they're pretty clear. There's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And boy, the, the, the scholars and, and, and um, the liberal minds in universities, they can't stand it. They can't stand it. Because God says what he means, and he means what he says. He is always that way. He will always be that way. And I love that. If you're going to stand on any truth, you can stand on the word of God. Anything else is shifting sand. You're going to sink and you're going to have troubles. But one thing you can hold to and you can embrace, isn't it wonderful that we have this? I mean, honestly, I mean, it's like I, I think of the, the truth of this, of this, the word of God. And as I begin to study it more, as I begin to pray over it more, the more I hold it close to me, the more I realize what a valuable thing it is. It's the only thing. Do you realize that? In all the world, this is it. This is the only truth that really matters and that's true. 100% of it is true. You can base your life on it. Countless hundreds of thousands of saints have put their faith on the line, put their life on the line for this. And we can as well because God is faithful. And I love his word, don't you? It's just so awesome. Every time I read it, I get, I get encouraged. I get, it's like this, like Jesus said, it's like a spring of water welling up in you because you know what you're reading is truth. You can bet everything on it, and you can read it, and you can take it to the bank, and you know that it's safe, that your treasure is in heaven. It's not here on the earth. I love that. And he said, verse 20, You have gone to the mountains of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you, so go. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not be, or do not fear, or be discouraged. Now, let me ask you a question. If he's saying, "Don't fear or be discouraged," it's because they're fearful and discouraged. Moses can see that, and there are many times as we're going to get after we get through Deuteronomy, we get into Joshua. How many times does God have to tell Joshua, "Joshua, be of bold courage, be of courage, and do not be afraid. Go, go into Jericho." He has to tell him because he is. He's shaking in his sandals, right? He's, he's, he's afraid. 
And fear is not a bad thing as long as we still obey God. So in verse 22, he said, And every one of you came near to me and said, Let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us of the way by which we should go and of the cities into which we shall come. Now, it's very interesting here because this seems like a contradiction. Um, You can look up on the screen here and you can just write down the reference, but this is what it says. What does it say? It says, and the Lord, Numbers 13, verse 1 and 2, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan. Wait a minute. I thought it said here that, And every one of you, verse 22, came to me and said, Let us send men before us and let them search out the land. Who said it? Did God say it or did they say it? Well, the truth of the matter is, is that God, after the Israelites had spoken to Moses, let's do this, God brought that before the Lord. And the Lord says, You know what, Moses? Let them do it. So, so um, wow, that guy sounds familiar. <laughs> um, so it sounds like a contradiction, but it really isn't. It's really just God acquiescing to their request. And you know, God is so wonderful about that. It's not his perfect will. We call it his permissive will. It's always better to obey the Lord and do the will of God right the first time, Right? But sometimes, because of our lack of faith, sometimes because of our fear, we want to do it just slightly different. And God's going, okay, it's not my perfect will, but I'll, uh, I'll let you do it. I'll let you do it. And so then, you know, we have to wonder, you know, in, in Romans chapter 12, as you can see on the screen, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here it is, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There is a perfect will of God. And when God gives it to us, it behooves us to act upon it immediately. And, and, and especially in the areas of morality and, and the things that he tells us to do, we have to act on those things. But sometimes we get turned around and we think, well, I'll just... I'll do it kind of half-baked, or I'll do it halfway. But it's true. that Someone had said this quote. It says, The will of God will not lead you where the grace and power of God could not keep you. Whatever God is going to call you to do, he pays the bill. He gives the strength to, to, for you to go forward with it. He always does. He always pays for what he prescribes. What he tells you to do, he will always make sure you have what you need to do it. So he oftentimes will make concessions and permit something even though it's not his perfect will. And why? Here's why. (laughs) Psalm 103, verse 13, it says, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. And here's why. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He knows that we are knuckleheads. He knows that I'm a knucklehead. So when I'm struggling and I'm... You remember that man who came to the Lord. He said, Lord, if you can do anything, heal my son. And the Lord says, I can do all things if you believe. And do you believe? And he goes, I believe, but help my unbelief. Remember that? Even the father was struggling with it. He goes, I believe, but my faith is so small. And, And what did God do? Did he smack him upside the head and say, you know what? It's just like you guys over here on the west side. I'm out of here. No, he didn't do that. He healed the man's son. He healed the man's son. And 
And the Lord did it regardless. So he takes whatever mustard seed of faith we have and he uses it. It, it, it's, It's totally different from what the world thinks. And even different from what some people in the church think about God. They think he's just this angry man with a gavel and just can't wait to smash people. And yet the Bible portrays him as this gracious, loving, heavenly father. Even in the Old Testament, we see grace all over the place in the Old Testament. We see grace all over the place in the New Testament. Let's just confess it. There's grace all over this word that he's got. There's grace, grace, grace. You remember in Judges chapter 6, beginning in uh, 36 through verse 40, Gideon was preparing for battle against the Midianites and the Amalekites, and God shrank down his army, and he was struggling. He was having a hard time to believe. And so in verse 36 uh, in Judges, He says, so Gideon said to God, this is Judges 6, verse 36. He says, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. And if there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so when he rose early in the next morning, he squeezed the fleece together and he wrung out the dew of the fleece. A bowl full of water came out of this thing. And then Gideon said, verse 39, to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me, let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry on the, only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew, which is the greater thing, right? Because if there's dew all the way around, but not on the fleece, that, that's something significant, right? Let it be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. And God said that, God uh, did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. And so you can just see how God is so willing to make concessions when, when we're struggling a little bit. So don't ever think that because you don't, you're not a, a, a pillar of the faith, none of us really are. We all struggle. And don't think that God is just going to cast you off to the side because you're struggling. He loves to take you when you're struggling and meet you there. If your heart is sincere, he will use it. If you're arrogant and cocky and disobedient and rebellious, you're going to have a problem. Right? You're going you're gonna to reap what you sow, and it's a bitter pill, isn't it, when we reap what we sow. In our rebellion, God says, oh, you've got to go through something here. Because just like David, you know, I can forgive you. If you ask for forgiveness, I can forgive you, but there's consequences. If you rob a bank and God forgives you and you ask him to forgive you, he'll forgive you, but you're still going to jail. Right? You're still going to go to jail. You'll be forgiven in jail but you're still going to be in jail. Amen? So the Lord is very gracious. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, remember what the children of Israel did also. In 8 and 9, you can read them, those, those, those chapters. But they wanted a king. They wanted to be like everyone else. They wanted to be like nations all around them. We want a king that can go out and pull out his sword. We wanted, we wanted uh, Aragorn. And the Lord of the Rings, we wanted him to go and fight the, the forces of Mordor, right? And just pound down and then uh, stand on Mount Minister, or the Mount Minas Tirith there and, and be crowned one day, right? But God says, wait, we have this relationship. Why do you need a king? Why do you want to be like everybody else? Have I failed you? Have I hurt you in some way? You can almost hear the tenderness of like a, a father to a, a daughter or a son. What did I do wrong? I've given you everything you've needed. Why do you need that? I've led you all this way out of the, you know, why, why this now? What, where did this come from? And it comes from the heart of man. They wanted to be like everybody else. Does that ring a bell? 
I want to be like everybody else. But yet we want to be individuals. I want to be unique, but I want to be like everybody else. It's kind of a contradiction, isn't it? I remember that when I was going to school, when I was a teenager. Um... Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, this has been Truth in Christ.